0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder again today that there is nothing better than you. You have taken uh, us, you've taken us who have been ruined by sin, and you have made us, Lord, um, into something beautiful. And we thank you for that. We thank you for this gracious work uh, that you have done and that you're continuing to do in our lives. Lord, you take us, a ruined lump of clay, And you are shaping us and you're molding us into something for your glory and for your honor. And we thank you for that, Lord. None of us uh, are without flaws. Each and every one of us need your hand upon our lives to make us into the people that you want us to be. So, Lord, I pray that you would continue that work today. Continue that work in my heart and continue, Lord, that work within the lives of those within this congregation and within this community. May we be a people who are shaped for your glory and for your honor. So, Lord, as we look at your word today, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive. Give us humility Lord, please save us from hardening our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who are malleable, a people that can be shaped to your glory and to your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand today for the reading uh, from Jeremiah chapter 18. Today we're going to be reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 18, 1 through 12. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. This is interesting. Uh, God told the prophet Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house, to that place where they make uh, vessels out of clay. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. O house of Israel if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it and if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it and if it does evil in my sight not listening to my voice then I will relent of the good that I intended to do to it. Now, therefore, say to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return every one from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. But the people of Jerusalem, they say that is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. This is the word of the Lord. He may be seated. Prophet Jeremiah was called by the Lord to proclaim the truth of God's word. And Jeremiah was nicknamed the weeping prophet. He was nicknamed the weeping prophet because when Jeremiah preached, the people would not listen, the people would not take heed to Jeremiah's words. Instead of listening and and repenting when Jeremiah preached, the people of Jerusalem and, 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 and Judah would persecute Jeremiah. They had him thrown into prison. They put him into an an empty cistern. They treated him terribly because he preached the truth of God's word. And preachers oftentimes are rejected for preaching the truth. Oftentimes preachers are rejected and mistreated for preaching the truth. Now the preaching of of Jeremiah wasn't all doom and gloom. This is a doom and gloom passage from Jeremiah. As Jeremiah goes to the potter's house and sees this this, uh, lump of of clay, uh, the prophet is is not saying to the nation of Israel that, that I'm going to shape you into something beautiful, but rather he says, I'm going to shape you for disaster. And for judgment. But the prophets, Jeremiah, also proclaimed promises. Promises of God's love and promises of God's favor. Promises that God is... Is compassionate that he is merciful that he is slow to anger and that he is abounding in steadfast love so my prayer today as we look at this passage that we would see that God is a God who will bring judgment upon the unrepentant but I also want us to see today that God is a God of grace and mercy who gives us this unmerited favor We don't deserve it, but because of his love for us, he pours out this grace and this mercy, and he does want to shape us into something beautiful, something for his glory. So the the prophet Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, and as the potter was shaping this vessel, God says that he is shaping That he is forming the nation of Israel for destruction because of their sin. What was the sin of Jerusalem and Judah? What sins were the people living in Jerusalem and Judea committing that they deserve to be shaped for judgment? Well, Jeremiah chapter 7. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go to the entrance of the Lord's temple and give this message to the people. Oh, Judah, listen to this message from the Lord. Listen to it. All of you who worship here, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, the God of Israel says. Even now, if you quit your evil ways, he says, I will let you stay in your own land. So there is an opportunity for repentance. Verse 4, but don't be fooled by those who promise you uh, safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. And And they would chant at the temple, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here. They thought that just because they lived in Jerusalem, where the temple of the Lord was located, that that made it impossible for them to be destroyed by foreign invaders. They believed that the temple was their protection. And because the Lord's temple was there, foreign armies would not be able to breach the walls of Jerusalem or destroy them. Verse verse 5, but I will be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Only if you stop, and here it is, exploiting foreigners... Orphans and widows only if you stop murdering and only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols Then I will let you stay in the land that I gave to your ancestors to keep forever In verse 80 says don't be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer because the temple is here Jeremiah said it is a lie Do you really think you can steal? Murder? commit adultery, lie, and burn incense to Baal and all those other new gods of yours, and then come here and stand before me in my temple and chant? We are safe, only to go right back to all those evils again? Don't you yourselves admit that this temple, which bears my name, has become a den of thieves. Surely I will see all the evil going on there. I, the Lord... Have spoken. So, because of the sin and the disobedience of the people of Jerusalem and Judah, they were being molded and shaped for judgment. Now, I'm a flawed person. And each and every one of us are our flawed people. And oftentimes, The sin of our our own hearts has made evidence in us pointing fingers at other people and judging other people. So when we read about the sins of Jerusalem and of Judah, we need to realize and we need to be brought to this place where we understand that we are just as sinful as those who were shaped for destruction in Jerusalem and Judah. We're no better. Looking at Jeremiah chapter 7, basically, if you want to boil it down to what the issue was, is that they were called to be a people who loved the Lord their God with all their heart. But they weren't loving the Lord with all their heart. They, they turned to idols. They worshipped at the high places of, of, of the Baals and the Ashtoreths. They thought that they could achieve the desires of their heart through devoting themselves to images. And we do the same thing. Now, we don't go to the high places of, of the Canaanite gods. And worship at the shrines. But we make other things gods. In our lives. And we think that by these things that aren't God. We can find happiness and success and meaning. But we can't find what God wants to give us. In anything but God alone. So the people of of Israel and Uh, of Judah and Jerusalem, they they were called to love the Lord their God. Then they were called to love their neighbors. But they weren't loving their neighbors. They were committing injustice. They were murdering. They were robbing. They were doing horrific things to each other. So, We're the same. We're no better. I'm no better. I don't love God the way I should. And I don't love others the way I should. So don't be quick to judge, to point the finger. Don't be quick to say that that person deserves... God's judgment because all of us are guilty you see God has every right to shape us for his judgment he has every right to shape us for his judgment and how do the people of Jerusalem respond to Jeremiah's preaching verse 12 but they say according to what Jeremiah said they said this is in vain this is in vain We will follow our own plans. We will, everyone, act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. I don't think that they use those exact words, but that's what their actions proved. Their words and their actions proved that they were not malleable. That God couldn't shape them. For his glory. They hardened their hearts. They chose to go their own way rather than humble themselves to be molded into the glory of God's image. So church, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Let God shape and let God mold you for his glory. And what did Jeremiah receive for his preaching? They threw him in prison. They abused the prophet in other ways. But the word remains true. Thus says the Lord, "Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return every one from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. If not, disaster is coming." Did you know that Jeremiah lived? To see that day of disaster, which he prophesied about. Jeremiah lived to see the day that a ruler from the north would invade Judah, besiege Jerusalem, breach the walls of Jerusalem, and destroy the temple and remove the king. Jeremiah lived to see that day. Jeremiah chapter 39. In January of the ninth year of King Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came with his entire army to besiege Jerusalem. Two and a half years later on July 18th, so there's a two year siege of Jerusalem. On July 18th, in the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, a section of the city wall was broken down. All the officers of the Babylonian army came in and sat in triumph at the middle gate. The king's advisor and all the other officers of the king of Babylon. When King Zedekiah of Judah and all the soldiers saw that the Babylonians had broken into the city, they fled. They waited for nightfall and then slipped through the gate between the two walls behind the king's garden and headed toward the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. They captured him and took him to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who was at Riblah in the land of Hamath. There, the king of Babylon pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. And I won't read the next verses because they're rated R. What they did to King Zedekiah was horrific. But I will say... That the judgment upon the king of Judah and the city of Jerusalem, it was severe. Severe judgment. So the prophets came declaring judgment. But they also came declaring promises of God's mercy and of God's grace. So hear this word today. God is Patient. He is slow to anger. And he is abounding, abounding in steadfast love. For a second Peter three: nine tells us that God does not want anyone to perish. He doesn't want to shape anyone for destruction, but he wants all people To repent and there is a glimmer of hope there 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 is a promise in this in this uh, picture this image of the potter with the clay notice that that the potter didn't throw the clay away he didn't just get get rid of the clay He kept that lump of clay. Though it had spoiled in his hands, it didn't form the way that he intended it to form. He didn't throw it away. And we're so quick to throw people away. We are so quick to throw people away. But God will never throw you away. He'll never throw you away. You see, God is in the business of taking a wreck, a wreck like me, a wreck like you, and molding and shaping us into something that brings glory to his name. We throw people away. You know, it actually seems like right now we're living in one of the most judgmental seasons ever if somebody says something wrong they're just absolutely thrown away and we we are a people who are quick to get angry quick to get angry and to judge people and to throw them away forever But god slow to anger abounding in steadfast love he gives us time to repent and yes I I know the time is limited I know the time is limited but but we have time today where God is gracious and he says come to me come to me and receive receive the grace and the mercy that I promise to you He wants to shape you he wants to mold you so I ask you this question in what way is is God shaping you today imagine yourself as a lump of clay on a potter's wheel in what way is he shaping you today for his glory and for his honor are are there are there lumps and flaws that God's working on? Some of us are are maybe lumpier than other people or more flawed than others. But what are the lumps? What are the flaws? How is God molding you and shaping you? Are, Are there characteristics of your life that don't bring glory to God? Or the the, the next question is, is into what does God want to shape you? What does he want you to become? What is he molding you for? What is the model vessel? What is the model vessel that God wants? What is is the, the ideal that God is looking for? Well, we look no further than Jesus. Jesus is the model vessel. God wants to shape us and to mold us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. You see, there are are many wrong ideas of what a Christian should be. Christians famously create ideals of what a Christian is. So, so in our minds, we, we may think that, that the ideal Christian is this person that never doubts, this person that always overcomes temptation, this person that has the Bible memorized, and, and while they were at it, they memorized the hymnal too, A person who's perfect. The ideal Christian is not a perfect person, but a person who is being molded into the image and the likeness of Jesus. And here's the reality. Each and every one of us, me and you, we're all a work in progress. He wants us to be more like Christ. Christ. None of us have, have made it. None of us have arrived. None of us can say, look at me. I'm finally the perfect model of Jesus. None of us can say that. All we can say is, Lord, we have sinned. But Lord, I want my heart to be soft. I want my heart to be, uh, to be uh, something that you can mold and to shape into the likeness of, Of Jesus so a Christian is an imperfect unfinished limp lump of clay in God's hands a Christian is someone who has flaws but is in the gracious hand of God being shaped and molded in the image of Jesus Christ so if you want to know what the model of God's shaping is look no further than to Jesus look to Jesus but the person who is being molded into the image of Jesus has a certain attitude of heart and mind and if you don't have this attitude of heart and mind you won't be able to be molded by God's hand and that attitude is an attitude of humility Humility is key Humility is so important. I want us to look at Luke chapter 18 beginning with the ninth verse So here Jesus is saying this is what a Christian is not and this is what a Christian is Luke 18 Then Jesus told this story uh, to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. So the Pharisees, they really were admired during Jesus' day. Because they were that that quote-unquote model example of what it meant to follow God. But tax collectors were despised because they sold out to the Romans. And the Romans had had occupied Judah and Jerusalem for some time. And many of the Jews sold out and they collected taxes from their fellow countrymen for Caesar. So two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself. He's by himself because he thinks he's better than everybody else. And he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like this tax collector. You know, God, I, I, I fast twice a week. He's so proud of himself. And I give a tenth of my income. Look at me. That is not the model of a Christian. Verse 13, this is the model of a Christian. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. That's a Christian. And Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, though society believes the Pharisees are these wonderful people, not the Pharisee returned home justified. That means made right with God. Justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. May our hearts be malleable, moldable in God's hands. So the true Christian is humble. The true Christian admits her faults or his faults. The true Christian is not finished, but a work in progress. The true Christian, by God's gift of repentance and faith, is declared righteous justified. Not by her or his own good works, but by faith in Jesus. And here's another thing for us to think about. You see, Jesus is that perfect vessel. He is that perfect uh, object or person that has been that is in the shape that we're intended to be. You see Jesus lived for 33 years. He had no flaws, he never sinned. But here's the amazing thing of the gospel, that for our sake he was broken. He was broken upon the cross. He was broken, shedding his blood for you and for me broken upon the cross he shed his blood so that our sins would be washed away so that we would be made right with god not through our own good works not through our own efforts but as a result of god's gift of love and grace towards us so then i ask this question what gifts has god given for us to be shaped by him so we we are people. We we are humble before the Lord. We, we understand that we are sinners who uh, who depend upon the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're a work in progress. We're not finished. So how does God then shape us and mold us? Well, the navigators who've been around for probably a hundred years. Paul, are you in the navigators? Yeah, Paul is in. The, how long have the navigators been around? Probably over 100 years, yeah. Well, the founder of the Navigators gave us this illustration. And I believe this is a beautiful illustration because it shows us just in simple ways of how we as Christians are molded and shaped into the image of Jesus. First of all, Jesus is at the center. All depends upon Jesus. And then there's, there's this vertical relationship with God. And that God has called us into a relationship with Him. And in that relationship with Him, He's given us gifts. He's given us the gift of His Word. So you need God's Word in your life. And as we open His Word and read His Word and pray His Word and study His Word, He begins to do the supernatural work within us. He's also given us the gift of prayer. To where we can enter into a relationship with God through prayer. That we depend upon not our own strength, but the strength of God. So word and sacraments, I would add, and prayer, along with the worshiping life of the congregation. Our way is that God begins to mold us and to shape us into the image of Christ. But then remember that the, that the issue with the people of Jerusalem was also with their neighbors so God's also given us on the horizontal dimension of our life, other people. He's brought other people into our lives. So we share in the, in the fellowship of believers, the fellowship of the body of Christ, the assembly of God's people together so that we can strengthen each other and encourage each other. So that we can know that we do not walk this journey uh, through this world alone, but that we have people who are with us. You can call up a brother or sister in Christ, and you can say, I'm struggling. Can you help me? You don't walk alone. You have a church. You have a community. You have people who love you. And I pray that we would grow in our fellowship. But then we're not to be people who are focused in and on ourselves all the time. But we're also called to go into our world. Because we live in a community. We live in, a, in an area that desperately needs the good news of Jesus Christ. So then we can bring this good news of the gospel in our witness to other people. So the Christian who's being shaped into the image of Christ with humility is is in prayer, in the Word, living a life of worship before the Lord, joining in fellowship with other Christians, and living as a witness to an unbelieving world. Now all these different areas... None of us, none of us are where we should be in prayer, in the word, in fellowship, or in witness. But may God mold us and shape us so that we live the life that God has for us in all these areas. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the promises of your word. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be a people who are shaped and molded by you. Help us, Heavenly Father, to to, to humble our hearts before you so that you can do the work that you desire to do in our lives. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, uh, none of us should walk out of this place today with our heads down, feeling guilt or shame, each and every one of us, we we should walk away from this place knowing that, that we are loved, that we are loved by you, and that your grace and your mercy are never ceasing. So help us, Heavenly Father, to live in that place of your grace and your favor today. It's all a gift from you. And we thank you for that gift. And all of God's children say, Amen. Would you please stand as we respond to this message with the hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord.